Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker, from New England Curiosities, here with the amazing Ken. Good morning. Good afternoon. Afternoon, isn't it? It, it is. is afternoon. Afternoon. Okay. Well, you, you could be covering people that might be listening in the morning, though. Well, yeah, they could be listening anytime, <laughs> yeah, depending true. on your time zone. That is true. And, of course, that is Lou back there. Behind Hello. The board. Hello, Lou. And we I'll pass the time reference and I'll just say hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we are a show of the strange, the unusual, the macabre, and I don't know, all sorts of crazy stuff we're always talking about. <laughs> all so, things wicked curious. All things wicked curious. We bring them macabre. We bring the macabre. <laughs> yes, we, we do. We, the macabre. we bring the macabre. Um, on today's show, we have a big announcement. Yay. Yes, stay tuned. Big super, announcement super today. After I didn't hear it between shows either. So. Oh. You'll be hearing it for the first yes. time. Yes, first time, so we'll get Lou's reaction to that. Um, we'll give you that announcement after the break in today's show. Um, we also have a couple of really, really good stories and discoveries just made over the last few days by us here at New England Curiosities. And um, I just got back from a, <laughs> a marathon on visit to uh, New York City last week. It was uh, like a regular planes, trains, and automobiles. It really was planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> really? And um, on the way back, we came back over a notoriously haunted bridge with a very strange history um, coming out of New York City. So I want to share some of the stories about that. We came, um, I came back via Amtrak, red eye, and by the time I got back, I really did have red eyes. Ken was was nestled comfortably at yeah. home. I sat this one out. I had to work, and this was a special birthday present. Yeah, it was a birthday present for my daughter. So nice. we brought her to a concert in New York, and not enough time to explore, but very strange train ride on the way back. And it was nonstop, though. Huh? It was, it was, I mean, you would just go, go, go the whole trip. It's mm. absolutely ridiculous. And Ken and I went um, antiquing on Saturday, so a rare treat for us to spend the day out amongst the antique shops. Mm -hmm. And I brought in something Ooh. that we found. You never know what you're going to find. Nice. Artifacts. And yep, all sorts of strange history. Things and you don't think about. No, gosh, no, no. And it was totally worth the whole $9. <laughs> yeah, it's totally worth it. It's, it's 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 priceless, really. It's worth more than that, just it for the is. information. It is. So um, we we've got a couple of uh, fun things to to share with you today, and I'm just kind of thumbing through it right now because mm -hmm. I've only had a chance to skim this item um, just a few times. I haven't really had a chance to sit with it at length. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. So, uh, of course, you can find us at newlandcuriosities.com. And hello to Sarah and Kathy, who are in the Facebook chat. So if you have any questions or make any comments throughout the show, please feel free to pop into the chat. And, of course, if you are listening to us on podcast, please make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button. Sarah said good morning. Sarah did say good morning. <laughs> Sarah, good good for you, Sarah. So, um, on, so on my trip to New York City... We went down via the, the C&J, but uh, C&J doesn't come back in the middle of the night. I didn't want yeah. to stay over, so we went down for the show, made our way around, and I wanted to come back. So Buses Earl, have gotten really nice these days, huh? Well, C&J is great. If you haven't taken the C&J shuttle out of Portsmouth to either Boston or to New York, you really owe it to yourself. And um, on the way back, 
um, I came from from Boston to Portsmouth um, after taking the train back. And do you know it's like $15 to take the C&J back from Boston to Portsmouth? It's not bad. It's not I mean, bad you, can, you can't beat that. It was pretty amazing. And yeah. they even have snacks on the bus. And some people can spend that in gas alone. Yeah, I could spend that in snacks. Right. So, <laughs> so but, um, but in between, I had to do the Amtrak. And I'm... I don't mean to be at, you know two in the morning. Yeah, I don't mean to be down on on it, but I had to go over to Penn Station to meet the Amtrak. Not a place that you want to be at one o'clock in the morning, in in New York City. It was uh, <laughs> it's a sketchy. Actually, idea. sounds like an adventure. <laughs> oh, it was it yeah. was an adventure. Um, <laughs> my my daughter definitely had an adventure. She was pretty excited, but um, that was probably the I don't know the most sketchy part of our yeah. our sojourn. Waiting for the train. It's like an outtake of Escape from New York. Yes. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. There's roving bands of sketchy people checking you out, looking to, you know, maybe steal something or... Yeah, I don't know. Or Just beg for money. Yeah, or... it didn't feel terribly, terribly comfortable. Yeah. But I was... Uh... Lack of transit police. Well, they were they were there, but they weren't doing a whole lot. Boston was very Boston felt very safe when you know when we got into South Station. Yeah, in contrast to South Station. Yeah, South, South Station. I felt like I could have been there without any issues. They a had little, dogs and everything. They were yeah, ready. Yeah, they they were totally ready for any issues that were there, and they didn't want anybody loitering around. Like they came around to to check everybody out. Are you here to take transportation? If not, get out. It was. Yep. So it should be. Yeah, I was. I don't know. It was kind of strange, but. On our way out, um, of course, we took the Amtrak, and the Amtrak brought us over um, the Hell's Gate Bridge. Have you heard of the Hell's Gate Bridge? I have bridge? not. I was curious what bridge we were talking about. Yes, and it has um, quite the history, and um, even the name of it is uh, is pretty interesting. So I'm going to um, bring you kind of some of the, the history of it, and then we'll get right into the ghost stories. So you might recognize the Hell's Gate Bridge from the movie. We'll see if you remember this movie, Serpico. Do you remember the movie Serpico? Uh, not that well. Not that well. You'll have to go back and watch it now. Yes. Yeah. Or the lesser-known 1991 film, The Queen's Logic. Or because it was a target for Nazi demolition during World War II. Or you might have seen it, Sister, the Sydney Harbor Bridge, which is over hmm. in Australia. Wait a second. It was a target for the Nazis mm-hmm. saw this as a mm-hmm. prime target? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Makes mm-hmm. a certain amount of sense. Mm-hmm. Or you might be familiar with its hardiness. The Hell's Gate Bridge would be the last New York City bridge to collapse if humans disappeared, taking at least a millennium to do so. It would be the last one to? Mm-hmm. Wait, how, how do they know this? Someone's done this study? <laughs> Apparently. Well, you, you have to hear the story. Oh, okay. the, 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 you guys. I just like it that somebody just sat down and tried to figure this out. Oh, they it's, it's good. It's it's really good. It, it's 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 like the you know the unsinkable Molly Brown. Like this is this is the indestructible bridge, um, indestructible bridge rather. But to understand the bridge, you must understand the tumultuous waters it spans. Tumultuous. So Hellgate is a narrow tidal strait located in the East River. Here's so many good stories about the East, the East River. River, boy. <laughs> Between We've got another body in there. I know, on the hour, every hour. Between Queens and Ward's Island, at the center of a confluence of New York's Upper Bay, Long Island Sound, and the Hudson River via the Harlem River. It runs the span of Manhattan's 90th Street to 100th Street, while its narrower sister strait, known as Little Hellgate, which flows in between two islands. Little Hell. Little Hell. Just a little, just a little Hell today. The strait derives its name from the Dutch word heligot, which has two meanings, bright gate or hell gate. 
The name was coined by Dutch fur trader and explorer Adrian Block in 1614 after he sailed his newly constructed 45-foot, 16-ton ship, the Onst, or, which is Dutch for restless, through the dangerous passage of water and into the Long Island Sound where he discovered Block Island. And Block Island was the first, Block was the first European to explore the Connecticut River. So that's where the name Block Island comes wow. from. I was wondering about that. Mm-hmm. So th- you're gonna I learn. Did not know. You're gonna learn. This is this is really just. It's got chock full of information and and again ghosts. Since Block passed through Hellgate, this mile-long strait acted as a key gateway to the Atlantic, marked with a giant whirlpool punctuated with rocks, reefs, and islands. What makes Hellgate such a pain to navigate is that its own waters are in continuous contention with those waters of Long Island Sound. So the waters meet and make it really rough there. Yeah. Okay. So Claude Rust, writing about the 1904 fire aboard the excursion steamship General Slocum in the East River, in which more than 1,000 passengers died, compared the Hell's Gate waters to wild beasts. Hmm. And this is what he wrote. When the tide rises on the eastern seaboard, it sets New York Harbor and farther to the northeast into Long Island Sound. At New York Bay, it splits at the tip of Manhattan, one current pushing up the Hudson and through the Harlem River, and the other entering the East River. Here, with the horizontal movement impeded by the opposite flow of the Harlem River and the narrowness of the channel up to the Sound, the huge basin of Hellgate begins to fill. The waters, like wild beasts, circle their confines, impatient for the chance to escape. The downcoming flow of the Harlem River is then stopped by the strength of the escaping currents and then sent back up through Little Hellgate in the Bronx Kills and the channels to the west. Like a sluiceway, it is filled with swift, seething water racing up to the Bronx shore. This flow builds up for hours, building up to a high tide along the East River shore. Then at a time when the other waters settle into the slack, the downcoming tide, which has been delayed for four hours by the distance and drag of the Long Island Basin, begins its relentless drive and struggle for mastery is on. So, of course, the Hell's Gate most famous victim succumbed to its waters 80 years earlier. The HMS Hussar was a 28-gun, 6th-rate, mermaid-class frigate of the British Royal Navy. What's a mermaid class? Mermaid class. I don't Hmm. know what mermaid class means. Is it early submarine? Might be. (laughs) Not likely. I don't know. Built on the Thames River in 1763, the ship was 114 long feet long by 34 feet wide with a crew over 100. It fought in minor sea battles off the coast of Ireland and Portugal before being dispatched to New York in November 1780 to fight the colonists as part of the 100-ship Cork fleet. The British Army owed a large amount of back pay to its soldiers, so the Hussar arrived in Manhattan with wages and 70 American prisoners of war. The exact amount is under dispute, but a coin dealer interviewed by the New York Times in 1985 estimated the ship contained 960,000 British pounds in gold worth $576 million. At that time. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So... Of course, today, Joseph Governor, a real estate agent, treasure salvager, and actor who goes by the stage name, I love his name, Joey Treasures. Hey, Joey Treasures. <laughs> hey, I'm Joey Treasures. I'm Joey Treasures. <laughs> in New York, Joey Treasures. Thanks for coming to the Catskills. <laughs> I'll be here next weekend. Yeah. He is one of the world's most prominent seekers of the Hussar's fortune. So in 2013, 
Um, Governor Alley claimed to have recorded footage of part of the Hussar wreckage off of Tiffany Street Pier in the Bronx. They believe the wreckage might have been pushed north by a storm many years ago and claimed to have salvaged a British beer pitcher, said to be the only one of its kind in existence. And, of course, um, there was a, a TV show, and you can find it online. Um, it's called Hell's Gate Gold. Mm. And Joey Treasures talks about the coin that he found in this. So if you go on, again, to YouTube. Found a coin. Yep, he found a coin. Tough guy. He swims down in just a Speedo. Did <laughs> 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 Joey. Oh, my God. All right, so I had the wrong ship image up. I'll put the right ship, ship image up of what a mermaid class is. <laughs> okay. Working on the fly here. Kenya, terrible. <laughs> so um, by the 1850s, one in 50 ships passing through the Hell's Gate were either damaged or sunk um, because they ran aground in the strait. They would navigate extra ocean mileage to avoid this passageway. And captains seeking to test their metal would have had to wait for the slim window of time where they could navigate their ship safely through Hell's Gate. But burning extra coal while waiting for the dissemination of those treacherous high tide waters was a waste of time and money. So a French engineer was the first to attempt to clear the passage. And he was a basically designed to remove some of the larger rocks in Hell's Gate. Congress refused to pay for the work, so he sought donations from the New York merchants to do this. For $15,000, he proposed to lower a canister of gunpowder to the rock by rope via a lengthy pole and then set off the explosion at a safe distance. Well, was this Officer Wiley Coyote? I know, it sounds like it. Super genius? Super genius. The first blast knocked uh, four feet off the top of Pot Rock, and the project continued for several months. A barrage of 284 charges set off on Pot Rock gave a clearance of 18 feet and lowered it about uh, nine and a half and 13 feet. The project was progressing until one perilous day. Oh, of course. Dun, dun, dun. The rentless blasting of Hell's Gate went on until March 1852, when the law of averages caught up with them. After placing a 125-pound charge of powder atop a rock, he took what he thought were the lead wires to the submerged mine and paid out the line until he and the supply boat were a safe distance from the explosion site. Upon touching the wires to the battery terminals in his boat, he blew the other boat clear out of the water Whoops. and was thrown 50 feet in the air himself. <laughs> of the five men in the operation, three were killed, and him and his assistant were disabled. Lou, you're laughing. I am. Oh, Are you these, getting the visual on All these explosions were on the other boat still. Oh, my God. There's a certain point. You keep doing this. There's a certain point where it's like, damn it. <laughs> it's this time. Love <laughs> Mistakes were made. Boom. <laughs> yep. Just put a little extra in there. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Whoopsie. Uh, despite all his efforts, um, he was able to dismantle a large portion of the world's whirlpool and claimed that if he continued with his efforts, it would be the safest passage to New York Harbor. Everything was progressing. Congress, pleased with the results, even threw in $20,000 to continue with the operation until the Civil War. And then it was given a 20-year reprieve. In 1876, U.S. Army General John Newton was charged with clearing three acres worth of the impassable reef, which was about three football fields beneath the waters of Hell's Gate. His plan called for 30,000 pounds of explosives, <laughs> and his team began drilling mine shafts into the rock. 
It took seven years of tunneling, the drilling of 7,000 holes, and the burying of 4,000 explosive charges to blow the reef to kingdom come. In October of 1885, the New York Times described the explosion in high poetic, all caps fashion. Rendering Hellgate rocks, the submarine mine exploded, a complete scientific success. The terrific rendering force liberated by the finger of a child, a jarring tremor of earth, and a sharp but not loud rapport of immense geysers of water thrown up. The force expanded mainly in the work of bursting the reef, confirmation of General Newton's theory of the effect of the discharge, the rush of crowds, incidents of the day throughout the city before, the explosion, the explosion after the explosion. And there's actually a photograph of that, and it just it looks like just geysers all coming up from mm. the waterway. So they built the uh, Hellgate Bridge in 1917. It was the longest steel arch bridge in the world, built by the Pennsylvania Railroad. It took five years to build. And it's 20,000 tons of steel spans uh, over just over 1,100 feet from the shore of Astoria to Bronx's Ward Island, which I actually did um, get a video of this um, on my phone as we were going over it. So I'll post it to my Instagram um, probably later today. So if you go to RoxyZW, you can see what it looks like at night. It's really beautiful. There's all lights and everything. You can see it. Um, I videoed it from Astoria. With the mid-century rise of the automobile, traffic on the bridge declined, and by the end of 1968, by order of the Interstate Commerce Commission, the Pennsylvania Railroad merged with Penn Central to avoid bankruptcy. It only lasted until about 1970 as they sorted out their financial problems, and then Amtrak took control of the railway. And at that time, they were using it to uh, move a lot of freight, and by the late 1980s, because of that, it was in severe disrepair. Nobody wanted to fix it. Even the, the town, you know, town's local didn't want to do anything mm. with it. And it became the perfect place for crime and people to go graffiti the bridge and yeah. Really, you know, some nefarious things started to happen, which we'll get into in mm -hmm. uh, just a second. So they allocated um, in 1991 $55 million to repair the bridge. And that's where they invented this particular color called Hellgate Red. Hmm. And hmm. a flaw in the paint formula caused the red to be faded. So it's kind of like a pink. <laughs> and Amtrak was okay with that. So they went with this this pink bridge, which is kind of, uh, kind of strange. So, of course, there are many urban legends and countless ghost stories associated with the bridge during the time that it was largely abandoned. The neighborhood children said they saw lights of phantom trains that never did arrive. And if there was a train that did arrive, what followed was the disembarkation of the lost souls of the Spanish and Dutch explorers whose boats, legend has it, sank in the turbulent currents directly below the bridge for which it was named after. But the so they caught the train. Yeah, right. the spirits came in on the train. Right. Yeah. Boat sank, so mm -hmm. got to well, catch the train. Yep. As a rite of passage, teenagers would climb onto the bridge itself and play chicken, proving their courage by not being chased off the bridge by demons who called the Hellgate home. There were uh, legends of, we'll, um, we'll try to simplify what it says here because it's, it's pretty foul, of... Uh, <laughs> nasty homeless people that were down there who would grab kids and drag them into a chamber in the base of the bridge and blindfold them yeah. and uh, do um, not nice things to no. them. Not nice things to them. 
And according to legend, when the police finally figured out where they were dragging kids, they stormed the place and they found photos of children and other strange things in there. And according to the, the story kids, yep, yeah. of the kids, um, the police were, were so ill that they you know, got sick themselves. Yeah. Uh, there is no official record of that happening, but it is in legend. There are quotes that are out there about it. Um, they did find in September 2015 a well-dressed man found dead in Astoria Park, which is right below the bridge, and he had a paper bag over his head. Strange. Today, Amtrak still runs over uh, the two southernmost tracks of the bridge. So, again, we just went over that. Mm -hmm. And they use it for freight. And even the uh, Jets and the Giants fans have the privilege of riding over the bridge thanks to the New Jersey uh, Transit because it is the train to the game uh, on Sundays during football season. Oh. Um, although in 2009, a large piece of the bridge fell off into someone's backyard. And oh, the nice. gentleman said, I heard a loud noise when it fell. It looked like a rubber <laughs> hose. I've never seen anything like it. The resident told the paper. Said she also notices that nuts, bolts, and pieces of wood have landed in her yard from the bridge. Hmm. And uh, she set up a little gazebo in her yard so she can sit out there and <laughs> not, not be hit by the pieces not get clunked of, by the, the piece of the bridge. Big enough piece falls down. Watch out. And it says it's ironic seeing how in 1918, two years after completion, the bridge was one of the first to be analyzed for structural stress. And it seemed that the bridge was perfectly sound. There were no issues with it, whatever. And according to a Discover Magazine article, they imagined a world where humans were extinct and the bridge was good for another thousand years. Even with the pieces flying off. Even with, even with the pieces flying off of it. So um, it was sometimes known as the unwanted stepchild of the city bridges. And, of course, they put new lights on it, and they cleaned it all up. And it's the beautiful pink unwanted stepchild of New York's transit system. And it's uh, just now turned just over 100 years wow, old. Wow, 100 years old. Mm -hmm. And they still use it. Yeah, thousand years to go. Right. A thousand years to go. Wow. Pretty amazing, huh? Well, before they built the Whittier Bridges on uh, 95 that go over the Merrimack, there were beams were falling off that bridge. Yes, too. yes. Yeah. Right, off the old one? Yeah. That was looking pretty rough. Yeah, and the state was saying, well, they were just, they were redundant beams. Like, okay. <laughs> redundant, <laughs> just extras. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember... think it was Deval Patrick who said it's, he said it's safe to drive over it, and I used to say, maybe not so safe to boat under it, but yeah. safe right. to drive over go it. Go under very yeah. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> or don't go under at all. Just before they started construction, someone drove off that bridge, too. I remember Over that. Over a snowbank. Yep. Yes. And it went phew, into the uh, Yeah, I was living river. with a view of that bridge at the time. And, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. It was, really? Yeah. I wonder if they're ghost haunts, the Merrimack. Did you just know, make. It's a rough waters, too. They are. Yeah, really. What a great history of this bridge. I mean, not a great history, but interesting history <laughs> of this bridge. Yeah. yeah. Very intriguing. It's a pretty yeah. huge bridge, too. It is. It is. And when we were, um, when we were going out. I looked out and I'm like, wow, I, I wonder where we are. So I brought up my location finder and it told me we were in Astoria and I had looked up the bridge and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. I never heard about it. And just to, just to think, you know, how they would have explored that back in the day, you know, in the, in the 1700s. Right. Try to navigate through there. If you, I mean, All the if rocks you didn't, and the if, current. Yeah, if you didn't know, I mean, yeah. you were seriously in trouble. Never mind as, you know, they had their issues trying to clear it all out. So part of the bridge is closed, but a couple of tracks are running? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's really cool to see at hmm. night. It's really beautiful. We've got some great lights on it. Funny, I've, I've heard of Hellgate before, but I've never known the story about it. Yeah. Until well, now. Well, and, and I've heard it before, but I just thought it was a neighborhood nickname. I didn't yeah, think right. it had, 
you know anything to do with navigation or anything. Or or the Dutch who had named it. Yeah, right. Which which really meant light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we actually when we were in um, New York City, we went by uh, Hell's Kitchen there, which was pretty cool. Hell's Kitchen. Oh, what yeah. is Hell's Kitchen? It's so it's a restaurant. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's a restaurant. Okay. In, um, Isn't it like an area of? The city too. Yeah, isn't a neighborhood a nickname for a neighborhood? I don't know. I, yeah, I think yeah. it's nicknamed yeah. for a neighborhood. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat though to go by, but we didn't have a lot of time for tons of sightseeing. But I thought that was you know it just seemed to have everything. It had you know ghosts and bad occurrences. And yeah, all sorts of fun so you'd stuff. Have, you have unsafe activity with the children. Mm. And, you have a structurally sound bridge like that. Mm-hmm. New York can use all the bridges on and off the island they can get. Right. Right. Why wouldn't they? Restore that half of it, put a road on there or something. Right, and some cars over it. Well, it's for 20 years it seemed obsolete, and they thought yeah. that it's you know hmm. falling apart and needed to be taken down. Nobody wanted to take responsibility for it. But they still use it. Well, the they, unwanted stepchild. Well, yeah. Say. After you know, after 20 years, somebody said, you know what, it's still in good shape. Yeah. Eerie pink color. Yep, yeah, strange, strange pink bridge with many stories to tell. <laughs> So um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We have a big announcement when we come back. Ooh, and yeah. Lou was nice enough to put up some pictures, so I hope you caught some pictures of the the strange bridge in New York. And we'll be back in just a minute to tell you about our antique shop mm. find. So don't go away. You're listening to Wicked Curious. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities. Located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history. With author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour, Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really wanna share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? 
and also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities. And you are finding us on Facebook Live, 102.9 FM, HD2, Buzzsprout, iTunes, SoundCloud, who knows where else we are. Out everywhere. There. So, so many. Almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. So many podcast opportunities out there. And that's Ken. Hi, Ken. Hello. Here I am. There he is. And then there's Lou. That's me. And there's Lou. Yep. So should we tell them the, the big announcement? Gonna lay it on them. We're going to lay it on them lay it on them um of course we'll give you a, a we'll work it up just a little bit more we'll give you an opportunity to make sure you check out our calendar on um this friday night i am doing uh, intuition development at the divinity lounge in portsmouth we also have a couple uh, spots left uh, yep yeah, a couple spots left for that we have a few tickets left for our investigation of the south meeting house in portsmouth coming right. up the end of next month so make sure that you check that out and come and join us so for, I don't know, like the past four or five years, people coming on the tours have kept asking, you know, well, when are you going to do another book? What's your next big project? And it's so hard because when it comes to writing a book, you want to put time and dedication yeah. and research. Like, I just, I don't want to churn them out. And I find that there are just so many books being churned out right now that I wanted to do it right. So this is going to be a combination of a book and a little something else. A little something more, something something that's been in the works for a little while now. Yeah, I've actually been um, sitting on this for almost four years. Um, Started the research probably about 10 years ago for it. And of course, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's very New England based. And we're going to roll it out on Kickstarter on May 1st. So right now we're finishing up the design phase and, you know, little notes here and there. But um, I am actually going to be releasing uh, an Oracle card deck. And it's going to be based on New England graveyards. So your card will actually be a gravestone. Nice. And I will give you... The history, the symbolism, the folklore, where it is, what it means, and divination. I'll, f- for the very first time, be listing the my very own spreads that I use mm-hmm. and ones that I teach in class for divination. And lots of little folklore and places to go explore and different ways to use the deck to communicate with spirits. So that is going to be something that we're going to roll out again on Kickstarter. Um, It'll be 30 days, so from Mm -hmm. May 1st through June 1st, and then we'll be shipping them out in October. That's a great idea. Just just in time. So um, I've been sitting on the deck again because, you know, how do you choose which gravestones you want to use? Because there are so many just amazing ones there. Some cemeteries you could 
basically do a whole deck on you know places right. you know is there a structure to the deck in other words is there a limited is there a number you have to meet there there isn't a number um essentially that that you have to meet um because it's an oracle card so you can make it your own i think the number that i'm going to go with is 58 cards and when you combine the five and eight you have 13 so mm -hmm. 13's my lucky number it's also <laughs> you know very important magical number so um i think i think Do I, 85 <laughs> so that'll be uh, May of next year. Yeah. <laughs> right. The deck's going to be manageable, I guess. Yeah, so you want to be able to sure, right? it. Mm -hmm. But um, I, you know, I really want to go with quality paper, quality card, full color book, yep. with a lot of background on you know burial grounds, graveyards, and cemeteries. The time frame for it will be 1600s through the Victorian era, nothing newer than that, to really bring these stories to light and to give people information where you can find these gravestones. So I'm, I've taken some of the inspiration from my book, which is Haunted Cemeteries of New England, which is out of print. Mm, currently. And, yep, again, currently. <laughs> it may be coming back. That's another story for another yep. day. Yeah. So I think it's going to be something that's really different, but I also think even if you're not into you know divination or card readings it's something really nice to have mm -hmm. that gives you the history i did all the photography for it um so far i might um talk to some of my friends that have pictures of a few gravestones that i might want to add yep. but i think it's going to be a really nice journey as if you're walking through a graveyard and connecting with the people there and understanding the symbolism and in some cases i can tell you where the stones came from who carved them so it's a really nice overview but something that you could feel comfortable with putting out on the shelf right without you know feeling that you're going to freak somebody out too much <laughs> Yeah, in, in typical Roxy fashion, it's it's going to be more than just an Oracle deck. You, right. you, you can learn stuff from this, too. And I, I think people... Is there a distinction between an Oracle deck and, a say, a tarot yes. deck? Yeah. So tarot is a specific system of 78 cards. It was really developed back in the 1500s. And Oracle can be anything that you want it to be, so it doesn't have to adhere to the system of Major Arcana, Minor Arcana, the Four Houses, and all of that. Right. Yep. So it, it gives me an opportunity in putting it together. I can group it any way that I want. Um, I can theme it any way that I want, and it gives me also a nice opportunity to allow people to make their own interpretations, too, as they're looking at the stones, what it might bring up for them. There will be some information on how to do spirit communication in there if somebody wanted to use the cards for something like that. Yeah, it will be an oracle deck. Right. It's, I mean, you, well, no, it will be an oracle deck, but you can also use it besides divination, but for spirit communication as well. Right. So you'll be able to use it for both. Hmm. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to take, you know, kind of um, place of a book that I might write this year. I was thinking about doing doing a book maybe later this year, although yeah. um, I am going to be writing the foreword to um, Sam Baltrusis asked me to write the foreword to his book that he's doing, Ghosts of the American Revolution, which will be oh. coming out this year. Great, yeah. So um, I have to squeeze that in somewhere yeah, in between there. I was very happy to, yep. yeah, very happy to be asked to do yeah. that. He's so great. Make sure to get that done. This is going to be a great project. I'm, I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to have a full yeah. book too, right? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. With with all of the information and the history, mm -hmm. and as big as I can make it, you know, that's that's me cramming as much information as I can. <laughs> Typical overachiever. Yes, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. No, that makes it stand out. It, it's going to be great, though. I mean, it, you've, the designs are already starting to take mm -hmm. off. They look really good. So, 
Yeah, we've got we've got just such great images that really just leap off the card. I'm still working on designing the back, but some of the photos are just really so beautiful like and, yeah. and just artistic in their own right. Like I said, if you're not into the divination thing and you just want to see some you know beautiful statues and carvings, it has that element. So I'm trying to put together something that you know somebody who's not into it would be interested in checking out. I as just well. think it's really neat. That you know you can take these images mm-hmm. and use them, you know, you know, assign a you know a divination meaning to it as mm-hmm. well. So it's it's really going to be pretty neat. Well, that's I mean when you walk into a barrel ground, you're finding symbolism everywhere. everywhere. And now to take that a little bit deeper and understand what it really means mm-hmm. and what it meant to the person that's buried there. Right. So how what's the link to say divination? Will it be related to the story of the? person under the gravestone or some symbolism on the gravestone or it'll be related directly to the symbolism on the gravestone Mm -hmm. so you know in portsmouth we have a beautiful gravestone at the point of graves which has a setting sun on it so you know it's all about the end of days the sun is setting are you making the most of where you are right now and even you know even the hourglass the raspberries all the different things that you find the wheel you know some of the mm-hmm. the angelic faces that you see the crowns that you see what does all of that mean and it's steeped in so much symbolism and sometimes you know we don't fully understand it when we're looking in a gravestone we think oh wow that's really pretty or you know a lot that's of people really have nice. either not thought of it or forgotten about mm. it over the years so it's it's something that is very natural to us because we, we're in cemeteries all the time so it's a great way too. I was thinking if somebody wanted just to take it and to go to a cemetery and use it to decode well what does this symbolism mean oh, interesting yeah. you can just use it in that sense of okay so here's a little library of you know what the columns mean or what a willow tree means so you have that as a reference as so well so there was an intended meaning to these symbols absolutely oh, definitely yeah mm-hmm. And it's for example, it's, you mentioned a willow tree. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a willow so tree. a willow tree. You'll you can look at a willow tree as a symbol of sorrow and mourning, of course, because it's all bent over. But a tree, in in the sense of willows, is you can cut it down to its stump, and it's going to regenerate. It's going to keep growing. The willow, yeah. So you you can't kill a willow tree. Yeah. Even you know even if it looks like it's gone, so you have you know regeneration, the ability to grow again. Everything isn't what it seems to be. Interesting. And eternal life. Eternal life. You have the connection to water, the connection to moon, movement, sorrow. So there's all of those beliefs in that carving that you see on the gravestone, which is usually accompanied by the urn, which right. goes back to ancient Egypt mythology. Oh, so, so there are some pairings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So being able to decode that. And then either use it as a reference or understand, you know, the time frame that those were used. Just having all of that yep. information in there in one place, but taking it one step further, using that as, you know, using the trees as as a tool. There's so many different types of trees we've seen on gravestones mm-hmm. and understanding the different symbolisms between them. Oh, that's so interesting the, just in itself. Yeah. You yeah. know, the dual purpose of what the imagery is as mm-hmm. well as the divination mm-hmm. purposes. Mm-hmm. So someone's sitting there making a choice between a willow and a, a maple or an oak tree, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's a meaning behind it. Fascinating. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so if you look at an oak tree, oak trees were typically used for the um, you know male head of family, so father or grandfather, because they were the strength. They yep. were what kept the family together. So a little bit more strong and rigid, you know, shown in strength by yeah, the oak tree. Oak is a symbol of, symbol of strength, right? Right. Oak strong, is, yeah. and yeah, they were the mm-hmm. foundation of the family. Mm-hmm. 
So there's even, you know, even between those types of symbolism, there's, you know, different subsets of information that you're going to get. So I'm pretty excited. Is uh, Elizabeth's gravestone in the set? Hers will be in there. <laughs> Hers will be in there. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be in there. Um, I, I've written up a couple of... It's the of back of the deck, too, isn't it? It's going to be the back of the deck. I, yeah, I don't know. Mm, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't been able to... Lock in on what you to, like there. Yeah, there's yeah. so many options. But you'll get Elizabeth's story in there. You'll get her ghost story in there yep. as well. And I haven't been able to figure out which which part of her stone I want to focus on because there's so much that's mm. on it. You know, there's the, the hourglass, the death's head, the flowers. There's so much that, that you could focus on for the divination. Why meaning. choose? Why, I know. Why does there only have to be one well, card you, for that gravestone? Well, well, true, true, mm. but you only have one divination meaning for each card, but I couldn't. I can obviously decode the entire stone for someone. Yeah. But yeah, Elizabeth has to be in there. Oh, there's course, there's yeah. some there's some favorites that you know, very very quickly. Um in, in fact, uh last week I had posted the lion in the cemetery in Lowell, which is going to be in there. Lions mm -hmm. are all about strength and it's it, it's an amazing, you know, twenty five thousand pound marble lion huge. made in you London that was shipped over barely here. Fit in this room. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. I hadn't even thought of that. Forget the symbols on gravestones, the symbols on graves themselves. Mm -hmm. Where I mean they obviously serve as gravestones, but there are pyramids and there are animals mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. right. yeah. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's even a even a NASCAR race car in Vermont. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's infinite. But that's why I'm trying to stay to a time frame. Right. I don't I don't want to do anything too oh, no, modern. No. But yeah, there is. That was just yeah. it was just a silly example. But yeah. no, that is a silly example. Yeah. No, you're very true about that. But someone is buried under that. That is yes, They're buried underneath all sorts of crazy things. So um, May first. Great, it's a good step out from books too. It's your your yeah. thinking is exactly right. I, I, not that I don't I no. don't love books. I yeah. do. And I'm a big collector. And but this I love is going to work on, on so many different levels rather mm -hmm. than just one singular level. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. Yes. If you want to have updates on the project, subscribe to our newsletter on newingcuriosities.com. And I will be uh, making the announcement in our newsletter. And as we get closer, I'll probably release a, a few pictures of the cards that have been designed to tell a little bit just more teasers. about it. And um, we'll have it up for 30 days, and we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be so very stay exciting, tuned. So stay tuned. All right, so we were out and about this past weekend. Antiquing it, was a good day for yep. Saturday. Yep, antiquing up through uh, York and Wells along yep. Route 1. The famous Route 1 and mm -hmm. up through Maine. Yep, armloads of things in the antique shops, and then... Lots of goodies, but we, then we find these And then these we found... Gems. Uh, this mysterious black three-ringed <laughs> binder. That wasn't the book. only thing you brought home, though. You said you, you had armfuls of things. We, arms full we of had stuff? armfuls of things. Uh, yeah. Various items, yeah. All, yeah. All, all sorts of things. But more, this was like the score. Yeah. More, more books, of course. Which, of course, which, more which, books. Yeah. And what looks like a weather vane topper, but also a gravestone design we got. I'm not well, quite sure. Well, it's a trumpeting angel yeah. kind of thing, which you see on top of old gravestone images. Right, in Boston. So, But it was made in And uh, often weather vanes, too. Yeah. 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 So it's very, very, very cool. So but it looked like that. a plaque. It had like a hole for a screw that you'd like mount to a yeah. wall or mm -hmm. something. So if you, if you go back in the history of Wicked Curious, you may remember that we had a show on... The Sacco Cookbook. 
Yes. Which had uh, all mm-hmm. sorts of folklore yep. and stories and recipes and hand-drawn back in the 1960s. Well, I opened up this nondescript black folder, and what did I find? The Great Island Cookbook. The Great Island. Which is Newcastle. Newcastle, New Hampshire. And it's the same idea. It's all handwritten folklore, history, recipes. Okay, wait a second. Is that a one-off, or was this produced this was produced in the 1960s and 1970s by the local church but so there are several co- probably multiple copies of it but there are it's it, handwritten and it's kind of a makeshift put is, together book yep yeah. you know they were super limited yeah oh, of course oh yeah. yeah um yeah it was copyright 1965-66 newcastle congregational church printed in sanford maine wow which is very cool. And so this one is... This is the 12th edition from 1977. And 12th edition. Yep, 12th yeah, edition. Yeah, imagine that. 12th edition. Yep, 12th edition. Holy cow. Of this this cute little cute little cookbook with so much more. But these are just little history books in their own right. Sure. They're just oh, yeah. full of information you're not going to find anywhere else. Nope, including New Hampshire goulash. Goulash? Yep, goulash. Goulash. Prepare one day ahead and it improves with age. Just like a good chili. It's got to soak in. Yeah. And that, beef stew. And that was... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turkey <Sorry>. stew. <laughs> sorry, we're getting into the <laughs> food a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, it's lunch. I forgot how you are with food. Yeah. And uh, the New Hampshire goulash was actually um, written and donated to the cookbook by Senator and Mrs. Tom McIntyre, oh. which is pretty cool from back in the day. But as we went through this, of course, you have the recipe on the page, but on the bottom, you have, you know, again, lots of the little bits of folklore. And one of the most fun things that I found in here was the way that you could actually pay your taxes Uh back in the the, uh, late 1700s, what they accepted for payment. So if you weren't going (laughs) to pay your taxes with money or land or holdings, okay. What do you think they were accepting? Livestock. You're close. Yeah. You're very close. Yeah. Fish. Fish. Okay. Yep. You could pay your taxes since, yeah, in fish. Since they were on the ocean, it was a fishing community. Can you, can you imagine? Pay your taxes in fish. Wow. Paying your taxes in fish. It's like, but they didn't have storage. I mean, uh, yeah, how did they do this? I, I mean, don't know. they must have had to salt it first and dry it. I would assume. Probably. Well, there's, there's, and yeah. there's recipes in here for salting your fish, by uh, the way, yeah, in case you, you need that. And of the course. state redistributed the fish, I imagine? I would suppose. It Sounds like a quote unquote state. State or yeah. mun- municipality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the township. Isn't that great? Just, yeah. just show up, you sure. know, at town hall. So were some yeah. fish more salt valuable than other? Ink was done by size or type. I'm yeah. not sure. Get nothing for lobster because they were lousy with them. Oh yeah, they yeah, right they didn't there. want those. Yeah. yeah, they gave them to the to the prisoners. Right. <laughs> but we also found, as as it relates to to taxes as well, that if you were um, you know a member of the church and you hadn't paid your taxes, they had the right to take your pew out of the church because you used to have to pay for your pew in church. And sell it to someone else. So they would take your pew out and sell it to somebody else to pay for your taxes. You had this, you owned a pew mm-hmm. in church you back didn't in the know day? That. Have you, have you no, I didn't know that. No. Oh, Ben Franklin owned a pew in Portsmouth at St. John's I Church. Yeah, it's true. If you, if you go into some of the oldest churches, you'll still see the name plaques attached to the little areas of the, of the pews. Oh, see, I thought that for, was kind of a donation thing. Because no. in Newport, we have a couple that still right. have the boxes. Yeah. yeah. 
that, that you go in, and, you know, still with some of the foot warmers, mm-hmm. things they have there. They, they even had it in certain meeting houses we found throughout New England Those as were well. the families that paid for that spot. That was right. their oh. spot every week, yep. oh, every Sunday. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's what Lou didn't know well, again. It's what Lou didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that segment, what Lou we didn't know. We could do know. that daily, <laughs> <laughs> hourly. <laughs> so so, so they, would, they would put a lien on your pew. Yes. Pretty much. And resell yep. it. Yep. To pay your taxes. Wow. And then what? If you didn't have, if you didn't own a pew, could you go to church? You could go to church, but you wouldn't have any place to sit. You'd you stand might have there. to stand. stand yeah. You'd have to stand there. Yeah. Wow. Because I'm sure they'd still want you to go to church. Just well, of course they'd want you to. You'd go lose to church. your privilege. They want your donation. Well, naturally, yeah. Yeah. you'd lose your privilege. Right. But yeah, can you imagine those boxes were just weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just weird. You're kind of trapped in a little box. Yeah. You're corralled in a with your door. family. Yep. Yep. Little door sometimes. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's to- so totally weird. enclosed and about, you know, neck high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> I can't, e- can't <laughs> even imagine. Boxes. They help them stay warmer or something in the, I you know, know, January church service. Do you do the church thing? Do you look at local churches? I mean, it's such a big part of our... Oh my gosh! Culture, yeah. Of course. Well, and and one of the main reasons why I look at local churches is because of the burial right. grounds. Yep. So you, you can't miss that. Yeah. So you go it's check out the church the as well. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. There's one, there's a couple fascinating ones in Newburyport, but one I actually went to a service because like, hey, listen, you're going to go to a ballpark. You want to see it during a game? Sure. So I went to a service and said, and again, you're sitting in the boxes and there's balconies up there, and it's like, you get a picture of what this m- must have been like in the 1700s. You know? Oh, it must right. have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You, it's it's part of our history. The architecture of churches, also any you know any colonial church that's halfway decent is is worth taking yep. pictures of and learning yep. the history out of. I mean, no electric lighting, no real heating back oh, then. No. And of course, we have a church down there where the original pastor who built it is buried under the pulpit. Which was common well, in New I England. I was going to ask yeah. you, is that common? It's it's very yeah. common mm-hmm. in New England. So uh, in uh, Newington. The, the stepping stone as you go Newington, New Hampshire, as you go into the church, has this really just rough carving, and it tells you the, the first minister of the church in the community is buried underneath the yeah. church in Jaffrey, New yeah, Hampshire, right under, under, the, steps yeah, there, under yeah. the meeting house. There's, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of people buried underneath the meeting house right. in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. This guy, and I'm blanking on his name, was such a bigwig that somebody stole a forearm bone and brought it back to England. Yes, I remember. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, and then they, they, they got guilty and they shipped it back. Well, someone found it and said he should, and they shipped it back, yes. and you go into the lobby of the church and you can see the box where it was shipped back in. Isn't that great? <laughs> The arm was shipped in this very box. But That's someone awesome. says, hey, you know, we gotta this guy's this. a bigwig. Yeah, we, we're going to take his forearm. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> snap it off, take you it know. with you. Yeah. Souvenir. I yeah. guess they didn't have a gift shop. No. <laughs> but we'll, No photo, so we'll just take a piece of his arm. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, went to, we went to Quincy, Massachusetts, um, when I was writing my Massachusetts Book of the Dead, and we went into the church, which, by the way, was built by Quincy Granite, and John Quincy Adams was buried in the cemetery across the street, and when the church was complete, they disinterred him and buried him in the basement. Uh, well, as well as his father. Quincy. Yes, as yeah. well as his father. But the, they're so buried John in the Adams basement. And, yeah. Go John ahead. Adams and John Quincy Adams yeah. are buried in the basement of the church? Yes. It's, and it's beautiful. Wow. It's really, really beautiful, and you their can, wives are side by side with you them. You can walk right up to them. They're the raised tombs. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the floor level, you can walk right up to them, put your hands on it. It's amazing. Is, is it regularly accessible, or do you need you to? You can take a tour. You can take a tour. And yeah, I, think, I mean, there's hours, obviously, but sure. it's accessible. So it's, it's worth the trip if you're into old presidents and 
Yeah, and you can walk right up to them. The, the architecture is, is beautiful yeah. of this church, and it's right across from the burial ground. Yeah, yeah, they're magnificent structures. In, yeah, indeed. Yeah, in many cases. So if you haven't gone to, to see what your local church has to offer, you should. Yeah, you never know what they got in their basements. No, you don't know what they got in their basements. <laughs> Tunnels, you know. That's a whole other story. <laughs> or, or in their cookbook. In their cookbook. So what this cookbook offers, <laughs> cooking up many things, uh, the musings of a country postmaster. So the local postmaster in town wrote his whole life story in here and you have all of his experiences where he worked all his um, memories all of... his memories um you know his involvement with the coast guard and it's just it's it's really funny because he says a country postmaster comes in personal contact with every customer yeah. nine out of ten stop to talk at first this might seem like a loss of time but it really is a wonderful chance for one who is interested in his fellow men he said, for a short story writer looking for plots, he says, I can't imagine a better position than one in a fourth-class post office. <laughs> he says, I often wonder if our most popular writers, Joseph Lincoln, in his past has found some of his plots and characters in one of the little post offices on Cape Cod. Yeah, most likely taverns, but yeah. Well, right. it's taverns. <laughs> that taverns works as great. well. Yeah. But it's, it's great. He talks about, you know, everyone knows that this is a... A position where you don't receive any great salary and I've been willing to hold this position for several years. People have said that I lack ambition. <laughs> he says, now my idea of ambition is not merely seeking the job which pays the largest amount of money. He said, that's a very small part of it. He says, if one finds a position which appeals to him, why not stick to it? And he just goes on with you know, I'm not getting rich, but I'm not going hungry. I can't add any, you know, special thing to my name. He says, but he talks about all the stories yeah. and the people that he's met over the well, years. Think about it. He's the, the lifeblood of the community. And he, he probably sees everybody in that town. Mm -hmm. Daily, almost. Yeah, almost daily, if not yeah. weekly. So, of course, we have to mention now talking about the post office, in which New was some, in Newcastle, New Hampshire. This is something that I did not know. And so much of what I found in here already is Thank God, there's gonna, something. <laughs> can you imagine? There's yeah, something still a couple of things up yeah, that she still, hasn't found yeah, out yeah, yet. I know, a few things. The old post office building was formerly the town hearse house. Oh. The hearse house, really? Where mm -hmm. they parked their wagon? Look, look, look how excited Ken is. Ooh, Ooh a hearse house. We've seen a few of those over the yeah, years. Yeah, there's a nice one over in Essex, Massachusetts, yes. which is really cool by the cemetery. On a winter day in 1902, they had the uh, horse drawn on a sledge. Then it was a barber shop, a candy shop, a soda shop. <laughs> and let's see, uh, let's see, it's going on to the different people that were in there. And, of course, then it became uh, the post office for 45 years. It says, notice these changes. There's a porch on the front of the building. There's a fence outside where elderly men would sit in the evening smoking their pipes and discussing the events of the day. And, by the way, this is all um, hand illustrated. Hand illustrated. Yeah. With little drawings of people out in front of the post office. So I hadn't thought of this before. Nowadays, there's mortuaries, and they all have their own hearses and things like that. But I'm guessing it was a town thing. It was a town earlier that mm -hmm. the yeah, town would have a hearse because mm -hmm. there were no mortuaries, right? Nope. There, there was an undertaker. Used the same carriage over but, and over. But the undertaker was probably a town, more or less a town position. Well, it would be more or less a town position, but that wasn't chiefly everything that they did. Like one guy would do a whole bunch of things. Like one guy would. Hold oh. an office and be the undertaker. Oh, it was a side job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, be, well, yeah. well for like your the, smaller town, just like the stone carvers, that wasn't their primary job at first. Right. 
so they, they picked up many things. So um, we, we saw a, a beautiful hearse down on uh, Martha's Vineyard in Edgartown. Oh, in the museum. In the museum that had been used since the 1800s right up through the 1940s. Horse, a drawn horse-drawn horse drawn hearse. Horse-drawn hearse. Little yeah. doors in the back. You just, just big enough to slide, slide the, the coffin, coffin in. in. There's a nice hearse house, too, in um, Rockport by the beach. There is. It's still got the hearse in there, You can too. look through the windows. Not that I would ever look through the windows of <laughs> yeah. any locked building. Yeah, that, another horse-drawn carriage. I would never, yep. never do that. That's not nice. So style. it would be a building instead of a shed? These carriages couldn't have been that big. Well, they were like sheds. Yeah. Yeah, with little ramps. Yeah, like a garage-sized yeah. thing. Like yep. a building like yep. that. And to bring them up in. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just it's so cool. You've got these people that, you know, know these stories, and and here they are. And they're yep. telling you, like, what streets they lived on. Oh, and, yeah. You know. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the yes. 12 editions. Is that, can you see the differences, a collection of, I mean, is this just somebody started one, and they just added stories and added stories they and added have. stories? That's, that's what my guess would yeah. be from it. There's there's not, not a lot of, of dates and publishing information right. in here. But in this edition, did they just... Recopy everything. Someone rehand wrote them, or I'm just wondering I, if you can see the differences in the edition. I guess the this one. I mean, clearly looks like it's you know it's probably been copied. Yeah, it looks like it's been done like a hand press though. Mm. It doesn't yeah. look like a professional press job. No, I mean, and it's it has all the you know the. Uh, they probably sat in the back room the of the church and, and right. clunk, 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 <laughs> page after page. Oh my God! It's so it's just it's sweet and sour beef. Sweet and sour beef. But then underneath, you've got the story of, you know, one of the teachers in town, you know, what, where she came from, what she did. Um, um. <laughs> Windmill Hill, who even knew that there was a, the high ledge east of the present library was commonly called Windmill Hill in the 17th century. Who knew that? Yeah, yeah. probably, you know, gristmill or something. The toll bridges to Portsmouth were freed in 1926, and in 1928, the state road was put through Newcastle, which would be Route 1B, of course. Imagine paying tolls to get out to the island. Yeah. Well, the little toll house is still there. The um, toll When you come out of there. Portsmouth, which is this cute little kind of... Gingerbread uh, cottage. Ginger, yeah, gingerbread cottage. And, of course, by the way, when we opened it up, there were some, you know, newspaper stories. It even about has the reviews. Oh. Here. There's a review God, here we have. That's great, yeah. They just kind of fell out of there. Um, there's writing in here about uh, Fort Constitution in 1863. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have the infamous uh, December 1771 ride of Paul Revere. There's a great story in here about how the folks in Newcastle were looking at the um, British ship, the Scarborough, that was during the American Revolution, just outside the fort, and people didn't want to do anything outside their house for fear that they would give them a reason to fire upon them. Yeah. So uh, it, it just talks about how just people in town would behave at that time. That's not something that I've really read a lot about. Yeah, yeah they were almost under lockdown. Right. And, yeah, like, uh, why present a target, right? Right. And it says uh, this woman here, um, Diane Trefethen, which is a pretty common name mm-hmm. in um, in Portsmouth, it tells this story about her. Um, Madam, the captain of the Scarborough demands that we fill all of our water casks before sailing to Boston. As your well is the handiest to shore, we've decided to get the water here. Sir, she replied, ever since your ship dropped anchor in our harbor, you have used my beach on which to leave your skiffs while you spent your time in the village insulting my people. <laughs> you have treated my land as public property on your trips to and from our town. Now you ask permission to fill your casks at my well so that you may sail to Boston hmm. on your voyage of troublemaking? 
Didn't sound like he was asking permission, actually. <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't. If you take one drop of water from my premises, you do so against my wishes, and I will in no way be responsible for consequences. Good for oh. her. <laughs> she challenged a British warship. Yeah, the lieutenant. <laughs> the lieutenant bowed low. Turning to the sailors, he ordered, Men, proceed to fill the casks at the well. When you have finished, meet me at the market, for we have provisions to carry to the ship. She watched from the window. Cask after cask was filled at her well, rolled to the river's bank, and left ready to load onto the boats. As they worked, the sailors joked and laughed. Each peal of laughter added another coal to the yeah. fire to her temper. She <laughs> thought of her husband's advice. Would he wish her to allow the British to get water from here so they might proceed to Boston to harass the colonists there? She doubted it. The job was finished. The sailors had left for the market. There stood the barrels of water on the very edge of the bank. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> she tried to busy... I'm going to guess none of these British soldiers were married. That's, that's, that's I'm gonna all I'm going to say. Yeah. None of them. She tried to busy herself with household duties, and it was no use. She ran from the house. She pulled the bung from the nearest barrel, tipped it over, and sent it bumping down the bank of the beach. Then followed cask after cask, each spilling its contents Empty as it out. gained headway on the shore. Why doesn't this woman have a statue? <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> on the this beach of Newcastle. Be holiday about this woman. Yeah, this is awesome. The insurgents. <laughs> when the last one had been started down the slope, she hurried into the house, bolted the door, threw herself onto the bed, and wept. She heard the lieutenant and his men when they returned from the market. She peeked at them through the window. Their trip had evidently been a joyous one, for they laughed and talked noisily. On this, their last intended visit to town, they had probably been more bold than usual. Yeah. Maybe they had made a few colonists feel extremely uncomfortable, and they had come away well satisfied. Men, said the officer, we must hasten and get back to the ship. We have wasted too much time arguing with those traders, the market. <laughs> wow. It, it nears eight bells, time for sailing. Load the provisions and the water casks in the boats. We have not a minute to spare. Several of the sailors hastened to the bank to handle the water barrels, but where were they? They were not lying against the rocks on the beach in various stages of destruction. Each one in some way showed the effects of being hurled down amongst the sharp ledges. Some had broken sides, a caved-in head, and some were completely flattened so that only the hoops bared any resemblance of a barrel. Wow. The, the officer was frantic, and he yelled at the men. He cursed at them for being so careless as not to place the casts near enough to the ship. And, of course, he goes on. And he says, one of his men made a discovery. He approached the lieutenant and said, Sir, no doubt, as you believe the casts were left in a precarious position, probably some slight jar started them over the bank. But if that be the case, why is it that the bung is missing from every uh -oh. one of them? Yeah. Not an accident. <laughs> Not an accident. If the officer yelled before, he shrieked now. He thought of the woman. He remembered her refusal to permit him to draw water from the well. She was to blame for this piece of work. He shifted his curses from his men to her. And he started up the road to her house. But time was flying, and it was nearly eight bells. He commanded the men to pile every piece of the cask into the boat, and he would need the pieces for evidence. She, of course, her husband returned from his days fishing. The children were there. Jeez, I was just out doing a little fishing. <laughs> right. And all this happened. Yeah. And the British were preparing to leave Portsmouth Harbor. The sailors were running about. The ship began to drift with the outgoing tide, and the bow disappeared. 
And of course, it goes on to talk about how the townspeople gathered with all of this commotion going on. Yeah. And she yelled, you know, I'm to blame. I'm to blame. You know, why didn't I take your advice? And of course, the folks in town were saying, you know what? You've done your duty. Yep. And we've been trying to plan a way by which we could rid ourselves of these men. And you have succeeded where we have failed. Mm -hmm. So there she you go. She should have a statue. Honest to God. Right. Don't you love it? We need to do this. Yeah. Statue, plaque, something. Yes, we need to. Plaque on that We beach need to start or... this yeah. movement. So they sailed off without the water. The entire town came out and cheered her, and there was no time because he had to go. This woman needs to be honored. I love it. So they yep. didn't have time to even. Nope. No. To, to punish her. So they tide was going go. out. Yep. Yeah. They yeah. had to go. Oh, well. Isn't that great? Bunch Good of call. thirsty Brits. That's, that's awesome. So that's one of the many stories in our little cookbook of sorts. I love that sorts. woman. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> so, again, you can find us at newenglandcuriosities.com. You can find us on Facebook as well. Thank you to everybody for, all, the your, Kickstarter again. for all your comments. Lovely. And our Kickstarter is coming on May 1st for our Cemetery Graveyard Oracle deck. Make sure you get our newsletter to stay apprised of all of the happenings with that. And as always, we remind you to stay wicked curious.